You're listening to Apolitical Politics, where we discuss the ins and outs of Oregon politics without being political. I'm your host, Dwayne Stark. Today's episode is Emergency Board with special guest Senator Steiner Hayward from Oregon Senate District 17. Good morning, Senator. How are you this morning? I am well, Representative Stark. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you taking some time to be on here and to explain the elusive emergency board and all that it does. But before we jump into that, a little bit about you. So can you give me some of your background? How did you get to where you are? I know you're a physician, so tell us, how does a physician end up as a senator for Senate District 17? Thanks for asking. I started many years ago, back in about 2002, doing advocacy through the Oregon Academy of Failing Physicians to improve access to high-quality, affordable health care for Oregonians across the entire state. As you know, primary care is a really important way for people to get healthy, stay healthy, or hopefully manage chronic illness as well. And I'm a family doctor, and that's what we believe in, is upstream public health and upstream health. So I spent a lot of time talking to legislators about ways to improve that around the state to help their constituents be healthier. Over time, I realized that a lot of people didn't understand that health is really more than what happens in the doctor's office, but it's also about do we have a safe, affordable place to live? Do we have access to healthy food and understand how to cook well? Do we have a good education so that we can be active partners in our own well-being? Do we have safe outdoor spaces to play in, all those kinds of things. People have living wage jobs. And because I'm a generalist, I saw how all those pieces fit together. And uh, in 2011, because my state senator was going to Congress unexpectedly, the seat opened up and a lot of people encouraged me to run. And I thought, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have a few more generalists in the legislature. So I worked really hard and won a seat somewhat unexpectedly and have been in the legislature almost 11 years now. Fantastic. So a decade in the legislature. What's your primary role now? I am the Senate co-chair of the Joint Committee on Ways and Needs. In English, that means that the budget committees, also known as Ways and Means in our state, are joint between the House and Senate. So we only have to make budget decisions once, unlike policy bills that have to go back and forth to different chambers. And I'm the Senate chair. So I work with my partner, Representative Sanchez, who's the House co-chair, and we work to craft the state budget. In the past, you know this well, that I have teased, I even did this on video one time with a class full of uh, fourth graders who I was touring the Capitol, and I introduced you to them as one of the most powerful people in the state of Oregon, and they all oohed and awed. And um, <laughs> and even though I said it kind of to tease you as my friend, at the same time, it there's an element of truth to that. What what makes your position so powerful as far as Oregon's government? Well, think about your family's budget. Your family has a budget and you have to spend certain amounts on things that are absolutely critical, whether that's paying your rent or mortgage or buying food or 
necessary clothing. And then on top of that, you have a certain amount of discretionary funds, right? And you can decide, and different families, different individuals make different choices about this, how you want to spend that money. Some people like to buy nicer clothes. Some people like to eat out. Some people like to travel. Well, the same is true for the state. We have certain things we have to pay for, um, whether that's our correction system or the basics of education and healthcare, but there are also, there's also money left over from the general fund and lottery fund. That's the money that we get from taxes and from when people play the lottery that we can spend in whatever ways we think best. And as co-chair of the budget, I'm one of the people who makes the final decisions about how we spend that discretionary money, if you will. Do we start a new program to train, uh, to do apprenticeships so that people can, more people can enter the skilled trade? Do we add money to our K-12 education system to improve teacher salaries and attract more qualified people? Um, do we fund for more state troopers, which we've done a lot of in the past few years because we're understaffed in the state police? Uh, so we've used some of our discretionary, if you will, revenues to do that. And we have to decide whether they go, the extra money goes towards programs that will continue. Like if you fund state troopers, they're gonna, you're gonna keep paying for them. Or do we use them for one-time purposes like building roads and bridges or helping communities rebuild theaters um, that are important for the arts and culture in their community? So having that opportunity to participate in that decision-making does, in fact, and I say this somewhat um, nervously because I'm not a particularly <laughs> proud person, uh, uh, it does make me one of the most powerful people in the state. Well, I remember with one of my fourth graders, they immediately seized the opportunity. And I'm not, I'm going to mention the question, but you don't have to answer it right now. And <laughs> she, she jumped in and she said, well, who's more powerful, you or the governor? And you gave a fantastic answer about the separation of powers and so forth. But I do want to hear from you on, there are times where the co-chairs interact with the governor and the governor wants to spend a certain way and the co-chairs as part of the legislature says no uh, what happens when when you go through that how does that turn out and what's that experience like because i've witnessed you do that before <laughs> yeah um it can be a little awkward uh but as you pointed out there is the separation of powers and it's the legislature who ultimately gets to make the decisions about how the state spends money. Now, the governor, when the governor gets a budget bill to her and there are, it's all detailed out about how we'll be spending money, in Oregon, the governor has what's called line item veto power for budget bills, which means that if she sees a budget and it has a bunch of different items or programs, she can choose to take her red pen and scratch out one of those line items and say, I'm vetoing this particular item in this particular budget. She can't do that for policy bills. She also cannot add something back in. So unless the legislature puts it in a bill that passes and it gets to her desk, then she doesn't get the budget thing she asked for. However, 
all good politicians negotiate. And so sometimes there are ways to fund part of what she wants in exchange for her doing something else or supporting something else that we want. And it's about really understanding why people want something and what else that you want, what else they want, and how do you have a civilized, productive conversation when you have some differences like that? I personally like that balance of power where neither can force the other to say yes, but both can say no. So if the governor right. can ask you for something, you can say no, and then they can turn around afterward on your budget and say no to something else. A hundred percent. I completely agree with you. I think it's great. It makes people work together. So. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the budget and e-board. So, uh, you know, I'm familiar with these things, but people listening might not be. Ways and means versus emergency board. Both are both deal with the budget, but what's the difference between them? Great question. So, let me do a little bit of background, if I might. Oregon has what's called a biennial budget. We create a budget in odd-numbered years in our legislative session. We create a budget that starts on July 1st of an odd-numbered year and ends on June 30th of the following odd-numbered year. So coming up, we'll create a budget in the first six months of 23. We'll create a budget that begins on July 1st of 23 and ends on June 30th of 25. And that is done through the regular full legislative process. We have hearings. We have conversations. We work with our agencies, we work with the governor, we work with our incredible professional staff and legislative fiscal office, and we craft budgets that are in theory supposed to last for two years. Now, I say in theory because as any family knows, to go back to that analogy, things happen, things unexpected happen. Your car's radiator springs a leak and you need to replace it. Your kid suddenly needs braces and you didn't plan for that. Something happens, your roof leaks, and you have to adjust your family's budget as a result. The same is true for the state's agencies. So, for example, an agency wants to apply for a federal grant. The legislature has to approve all of those applications. Now, during a normal legislative session, we can do that as part of our process. But in the interim, when we're not in legislative session, we have to have emergency board to do two things. One is to approve grant applications that state agencies put into federal uh, federal agencies and accept reports that agencies are required by statute to submit to the legislature. And the other is to rebalance budgets or release funding that the legislature has set aside for an agency to use throughout the biennium. Let me give an example. Right now, down near where you are, there's a big forest fire, which is really unfortunate, and I hope everybody listening is doing okay and isn't suffering from that directly. When we have emergency board, we may well get a request from the Department of Forestry to release funds that we've set aside in something called a special purpose appropriation. And we have one for natural disasters and forest fires qualify. So we may get a request from the Department of Forestry to release a certain amount of that money to help them 
fund fighting forest fires or to pay back money that they've already spent fighting forest fires. So we use emergency board to help keep the state's budget running smoothly during the interim between the short legislative session in even year and the long legislative session that starts at the beginning of odd years. We have this long 10 month stretch when we're not in session and we use emergency board to keep our state's budget humming. So emergency board is essentially the emergency savings account, in a sense, keeping that family analogy, that mm -hmm. is set aside as part of the full budget mm -hmm. so that if unexpected issues come up, we can deal with them. 100%. Now, as part of that budget-making process during Ways and Means in a regular session, we choose and decide how much money to put into emergency board, correct? Right. How does the legislature go about deciding how much money to put into emergency board? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, to go back to your point about the governor, sometimes it's a negotiation with the governor about how much we put in. And there are a couple of factors we consider. One is that we look at unusual things that have been happening. Our forest fires have gotten worse. So we may realize that, unfortunately, we might need more money to help pay for fighting fires than we have in the past. That might cause us to increase the amount available to the emergency board. We might think about the fact that we've had more fierce storms lately. And, you know, if you think about what happened to the onion sheds in eastern Oregon with a big ice storm a few years ago, the state stepped in to help with that or the floods in Pendleton, right? Because it's important for us to help our communities around the state when there's a natural disaster like that. And so we look at things like that that have been happening and we try to make a, our best guess as to how much money we think we need, we might need to allocate. And then we usually add a little bit of a buffer <laughs> because it's always a good idea to add a buffer and that's how much we put in. Now, the reason I mentioned the governor is because um, only the legislature can make decisions about money that is sent out via the emergency board or e-board as we call it. And the governor does not have veto power over that. So you, understandably, the governor might say, I'm a little nervous about you putting this much money into emergency board that you can allocate without my oversight, right? Without that joint two-branch decision-making process. So we do negotiate with the governor about how much money is going into the emergency fund. What happens if the emergency board runs out of money? If we really ran out of money, we have money that we would we would have to be called back into special session to allocate more money to the emergency. The governor would have to call us back. We'd have to get at least 20 senators and 40 representatives to show up because of our two-thirds quorum rules. And we would have to get them to show up. And then we would have to allocate more money to the emergency board. We would probably, while we were there, do a bill that allocates funds out just to get the whole as many legislators on board as possible. We do have money that we have left over because 
I'm pretty fiscally conservative and I don't like to spend all the money that we have and my colleagues have agreed with me about that. So there's money that has not been allocated for any purpose that we expect to get as revenues for this biennium. And we, so we can go in in a special session and get some of that money to use it. Right now it's just sitting in the, uh, a trust account, if you will, that we can't touch without coming into session. Historically, the emergency board has, for the most part, this I'm, I'm thinking prior to 2020, they didn't necessarily convene that often. And when they did, I, I would say most of the time it was because of forest fires. But that changed in 2020. And can you tell me how, how did 2020, the, maybe the events of 2020, kind of change the functioning and scope of emergency board? I can, but can I backtrack on something you said and just, if I may, correct it a little bit? Um, yes. Historically, emergency board has met, well, ever since Oregon ha uh, passed the constitutional amendment to have a legislative session every year, emergency board has met quarterly at what we call legislative days. And it's done that routinely, right? It hasn't met, it hasn't actually been a true emergency because we knew we were going to do it. And it's done that to do the little budget rebalances and the budget and the grant application approvals that I mentioned earlier. So it is 100% true that sometimes we have have had additional e-boards because of forest fires or things like that. But since 2010, we have had emergency boards routinely every quarter when we're not in session to do all this stuff. So it hasn't actually been on an emergency basis. So that's the first thing I'd just like to clarify for your listeners. Thank you, um, I appreciate that clarification. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're back to now, which is the normal way that emergency board is supposed to function. Uh, we certainly have the capacity to come in on an ad hoc basis when we're called in by the presiding officers, the Senate president and speaker, to deal with true emergencies like big forest fires or anything like that. But most of the time, we're doing routine things from agencies that have come up since the last time the emergency board met. So in 2020, some people may remember that we had a pandemic. Uh, I say that slightly sarcastically. Um, <laughs> anyway, and when that happened, we had true emergencies because we had to do everything we could to help Oregonians stay healthy during what could have been truly catastrophic for our state and our country. It was bad enough as it was, but we had to do a variety of things to help individuals, to help businesses, to help our healthcare system. And we were also getting a boat ton of money from the federal government that we didn't expect to get because of things like the coronavirus um, relief fund, CRF, and later um, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, and CARES, and there are more acronyms than you can shake a stick at. But when that federal money comes in, agencies can't spend federal money without the legislature authorizing it, giving them what's called expenditure limitation. So we have to approve agencies spending federal money because 
the agencies hadn't known they were going to get all this federal money. We didn't do that when we were crafting our budget in 2019. So emergency board had to be convened frequently uh, to between the uh, end of the 2020 session and the beginning of the 2021 session in order to allocate and allow and give expenditure limitation for all the federal money that was coming in to help businesses, to help our healthcare systems, to help individuals who are struggling um, because of unemployment or because of health issues. And that was the legislature's job to do that. We are now back to the standard operating procedure of just doing minor adjustments in agency budgets. If we look at an agenda, and we are going to be doing those agency requests and, and grant approvals and so forth, a lot of the stuff on the agenda is somewhat, I don't know if self-explanatory, but it's at least obvious where it came from. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a agency, like I said, an agency has a grant request, they put it forward, or there's an emergency that's very obvious, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. If a constituent were to identify what they believe is an emergency that should land on the e-board agenda, is there a process or a way for them to run that up the, you know, the line and have that happen? Yes. Um, there absolutely is, although I'll give the caveat that it sometimes goes through, but it's unusual. So if a constituent were to identify something that they thought was an issue, then the way they would handle that is go to their state representative or state senator and say, hey, here's what's going on. This is an emergency. I think the state should chip in here and help us solve this problem. The legislator would then go to the appropriate state agency and talk to their staff to say, hey, this is what's going on, and I agree with my constituent that this needs to be funded sooner rather than later, so can you put this in as an agency request for the next emergency board? The agency then has to go get the governor's approval to do that because the governor gets to decide what requests the agencies can put in. Because remember, agencies are part of the executive branch. They're under the governor. The legislature approves their budgets, and we tell them what to do, but they're still ultimately under the governor's authority. Again, part of that really important separation of powers. So the agency would then go to the governor and say, Governor, Representative Stark's constituent is talking about this as a problem. And we agree that it's a big problem and needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. And we think that the next emergency board, we should put in a request for this much money to help address this problem. And then if the governor says yes, it turns around, the agency puts that request into legislative fiscal on a certain timeline. And then the co-chairs of Ways and Means and the presiding officers review all the agency requests, and we decide what's going to go forward. So as you can see, it's a really good example, once again, of the checks and balances between the legislative and executive branch. It's a lot of process, and it takes some time. So right now, for example, 
we have an emergency board coming up at the end of September. Agency request letters were due two weeks ago, 10 days ago, two weeks ago. And we're hearing from people now, hey, you've got an emergency board coming, can you do this? The answer is no, unless the agency's already requested it because we don't have the time to do it. The next time we have emergency board is in December and any new things would have to go before emergency board in December. There are a lot of yeses that have to happen in order for something uh -huh. to land on that agenda. And I know personally, I begin with two filters. If somebody were to come to me with something they feel like should receive emergency board funding, my first filter is, can this wait until the next session? Right. Is it that dire of an emergency or can it wait till the next session so that the whole legislative body can really speak into that? The I second agree. filter that I use, and oftentimes I've been surprised how often the answer to this is yes, is does it actually need legislative? Because there are a lot of things that somebody might bring forward that's an issue. We might be able to go to that agency and they may already have funding or a category or a way to deal with that. So yes, I would encourage listeners, correct. absolutely reach out to your, your senator, to your representative with these concerns, but there's a good chance it won't make it onto the e-board agenda. However, there's still a good chance there's another way to resolve it without it being on that agenda. Completely agree with you. How would you recommend citizens go about being in the know as to when e-board meetings are and what's on the agenda? Great question. So there is a calendar, a legislative calendar that's published um, after every legislative session that says when our quarterly legislative days are going to happen. When we're not in session, we have legislative days once a quarter. In odd numbered years, we have them in September and November. In even numbered years, we have them in May, September, and December. Um, but the exact dates are a little unsure. In fact, the May ones this year were in June. But the legislative calendar is on the website, OregonLegislature.gov, and fully available to the public. Oregon really believes in transparency, which I completely agree with. And we want citizens to be engaged with and know what we're doing. So then you would know, a citizen would know that the emergency board always meets on the last day of legislative days. So we have legislative days coming up in September, the 22nd to the 24th, and emergency board will meet, excuse me, the 21st to the 23rd, I apologize. Um, the emergency board will meet on Friday, the 23rd of September. So that's the first way you know when it's going to happen. The second thing in terms of the agenda is that agendas are published on what's called OLIS, or the Oregon Legislative Information System, which you can find either by going to OregonLegislature.gov or just by typing in OLIS.OregonLegislature.gov. And those agendas have to be published at least 48 hours ahead of the meeting. And it sounds like that's not a lot of time, and in some ways it isn't, but we're often still finalizing things and writing recommendations because they're not easy to do. We want to do them right, and it takes some time to do that all. But we do try to give people enough notice that it's happening. The other thing to bear in mind is that 
anything that actually makes it to the full emergency board has to go through a subcommittee that hears a presentation on that budget request. Um, and those, ha those meetings happen in the two days prior to the emergency board meeting. And those agendas are also published two days before that particular hearing. So there's a little more notice that way. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you want to share with listeners? I just really encourage people to, as you said, get involved and stay involved because we are your representatives. We are here to listen to you and you are the ones who elect us. You are the ones that we are here to serve and it is your tax dollars that we are spending. So we may not always agree about every single thing, but I, as the budget chair, absolutely want to hear from people. And I know you want to hear from people about what's important to them and that, you know, I'm the kind of person, my door is always open to anyone who wants to talk to me, whether that's another legislator, regardless of party or chamber, I want to hear from you. So we are hired by the citizens of this state and we are constitutionally sworn to serve the citizens of this state the only way we can do that well is if we hear from the citizens of the state so i just encourage folks to remember that and to know that we may not be able to do everything you want or we may end up doing some things you don't like but ultimately we are guided by you Thanks for listening. For more apolitical politics, check out apoliticalpolitics.org or dwaynestark.org.